Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Season 3 with the Spartan Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Ryan, joined by... Brady LaRoe and Riley Garvin. And our executive editor is Sarah Khan. Today, we will evaluate current markets and take a deeper look into in-store Black Friday shopping, the status of Russia's invasion on Ukraine, along with China's current economic outlook. The date is November 28th, 2022. You're listening to the Spartan Journal. The S&P 500 is up 0.19%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 0.26%. And the NASDAQ is up 1.08%. Additionally, the Russell 2000 is down 0.65% over the past week. The MSCIEAFE ETF is up 2%. And the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index is down about 3.5%. Thank you, Brady and Riley, for your analytical reporting. The conclusion of our brief market evaluation leads us into our informational discussion portion. This week, I looked into Black Friday shopping and the shopping spree with an emphasis on in-person shopping. Before we evaluate consumer spending, it's vital to remember the COVID pandemic and its restrictions on in-person shopping. The 2020 and 2021 Black Friday sales were almost entirely comprised of online shopping and contactless pickup. This, however, changed on the 25th of November, 2022. With COVID-19 restrictions lessening and a motivated desire to find deals to escape inflation, there's a 7% increase on in-person shopping paired with a 12% increase in overall in-store and online spending, according to MasterCard this past Black Friday. So Jared, how much in-store spending are we seeing compared to like the traditional pre-pandemic levels? And are we, are we seeing a, a good return to normal in this regard? Well, the normal may never be normal. When I say that, meaning that our online comparison is growing by 2.3%, along with the in-person shopping growing by 7%, but we may not see that revert back to quote-unquote normal for the pre-pandemic. Entering a dark space, we're entering a, a new combination that that allows for a hybrid, uh, a continuity between online and in-person. It's not going to be one or the other. So we're going to allow for a more hybrid approach when we come to this. For the Black Friday shopping, there was too much inventory, which led to deeper deals for for the consumers of America. And this also paired with the inflationary need for discounted deals led to an explosion in shopping this past Thanksgiving weekend. Jared, it shocks me that people are willing to spend more now in stores in times of great inflation compared to last year. Any ideas why that might be? Well, I think that it also goes back to the the inflationary period. Much people, many people throughout this year have not spent nearly as much as they had in the past or pre, pre-pandemic levels because they can't. They are restricted with high gas prices, high grocery prices, along with additional inflation in a couple other areas. So they have to pick and choose where they spend, and they have to spend wisely. Thank you, Jared. This week, I wanted to talk about updates on what's happening in Ukraine, specifically Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Over the past few months, we've seen a successful counteroffensive taking place by the Ukrainian military in the northern parts of the country, And just this month, we saw Ukraine take back a key city of Kyrgyzstan, who is the second largest city occupied in Ukraine by the Russian forces. 
And it's something Putin recently declared as part of Russia a couple of weeks ago. So with the counteroffensive being successful and the war looking like it may be coming closer to the end, with Russian forces retreating out of parts of the country, the question remains, what will the aftermath of the war look like in terms of relations between the West and Russia? After the invasion of Ukraine, we saw major sanctions put in place against Russia. Major Russian banks were banned from using the SWIFT financial system. There were outright bans on Russian oil from countries like the United States, Canada, and Britain. And more surprisingly, though, we saw limits from many European countries who are heavily dependent on Russian oil. Countries like Germany, whose biggest source of gasoline comes from Russia, halted construction of their Nord Stream 2 pipeline and put in place other oil sanctions. But Russia has been preparing for these things for a while now and have been working on isolating themselves from the West. In 2014, they created the Eurasian Economic Union, which was seen as their response to the European Union. And they've also been selling gas and other goods to countries like China and India in order to make up for the loss of sales due to sanctions. And so with all of these things considered, it seems like post-war with Ukraine, Western countries might not go back to trading with Russia and vice versa. It seems they may be a permanent economic divide between these two conflicting sides. Thank you, Brady. I know that the United States has supplied Ukraine with weapons and missiles, along with sanctioning Russia, along with the Western nations taking part in the same actions. How is this how has this supported Ukraine and how has this helped them take over Kherson? Well, it's been incredibly helpful in supporting the country. I mean, initially when the conflict began, it was expected that Russia would take over Ukraine pretty quickly. I mean, just a few months before we saw how quick uh, Afghanistan was taken over by the Taliban after the U.S. withdrawal. Um, But instead, what we saw was an unprecedented level of support for Ukraine. I mean, the U.S. has spent north of $50 billion so far in supporting the country. Uh, again, Russia has been banned from systems like SWIFT, which is something that has not been done before. And even hesitant countries like Germany have been uh, supplying them with aid and cutting off ties with Russia. And so they've been incredibly successful in both sanctioning them, but also sending direct supplies to the country. I mean, the U.S.'s Javelin missiles have become a staple and part of Ukraine's ability to take out many of Russia's armed vehicles. And precision missiles supplied by the West have been used particularly in Kherson uh, in order to take back the region. And so overall, Western military aid has been crucial for Ukraine's counteroffensive successes in this war so far. You know, it's great to see that Ukraine has been successful with their reacquisition of of Kyrgyzstan. So, however, in terms of Russia, what do you think is going to happen to the state of their economy after the war is over? Right. And so it's important to note that many of these financial systems globally were set up by Western countries. And so they're pretty key to engage with the world on a global financial scale. Uh, Many have said that this will, the invasion and the separation from them from Western banks and stuff will set back the country about 30 years. Uh, There was a lot of money lost to Western banks that Russians are now blocked from using, uh, and they have used harsh monetary policy in order to help the value of the ruble from going down so much post-invasion. And so in conclusion, the impact on the Russian economy will be severe for the long term, and uh, it's hard to see how they'll recover from this. Thanks, Brady. So the topic that I focused on today was China's current economic outlook. And currently, China is facing a lot of economic hardship. 
So in short, some examples of this include uh, the demand for Chinese exports is currently falling because we Americans are spending a lot less due to uh, our, our economic hardship and the sense of inflation. Uh, additionally, there's a lot of cities that are now enforcing more strict COVID guidelines since they're experiencing a very large spike in COVID cases. And so people are, are protesting against these, these strict guidelines and are even calling for the president of China to step down. Home sales are continuing to slump even with mortgage rate cuts. And the current president of China is establishing a new program called the Common Prosperity, which is supposed to redistribute wealth, food, and curb debt for Chinese citizens. But economists are saying that it will probably do more harm for China than good in the long run. Riley, big picture. How does the effect China's place on the how does this affect China's place on the global stage? Is this indicative of a long-term decline in China's influence or is this a more short-term period of slow growth? So for me it's it's pretty hard to say so I'm I'm not an experienced forecaster as as you guys know. But I've got a feeling that it will probably be a short-term period of slow growth. Goldman Sachs uh, is predicting that they'll bounce back in the second half of 2023, but they're only going to see growth of around 4% afterwards. So I guess thinking back to, to early pandemic, the U.S. was kind of in extreme chaos and no one really knew what was going to happen with the economy because of this pandemic. But it ended up working out and it has smoothed out since. So I think the same is probably going to happen with China, considering how large their economy is. Riley, my second question to you is, was Xi Jinping receiving another five years from the Chinese Communist Party? He'll have time to establish his common prosperity program, which redistributes wealth among its citizens. How will this plan affect the Chinese economy and the workers within it? So like I said a little bit earlier, economists are saying that it will it will uh, hurt uh, China in the long run. So specifically, it's going to hurt uh, productivity. It's going to discourage private investment and also put a, gent- a dent in job growth. So last year, the Chinese government did a little crackdown on private investment firms, which led to a lot of job losses, which then pushed uh, China's youth unemployment to nearly 20%. So this also in turn made those firms cut spending. And following that, JD.com, one of char- one of China's biggest e-commerce websites, said that it plans to cut salaries for the next year for 2,000 managers by 10 to 20 percent to improve worker benefits, which this is one of the latest examples of a company falling in line with the president's common prosperity program. Thank you, Riley. With that, this concludes the first episode of season three. Please look out for yourself. Please look out for others. From our Spartan Journal family to yours, go green. If you enjoyed the discussion, please like and share the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Spartan Journal Podcast is part of Michigan State University's Wealth Management Association, a student organization whose goal is to inspire the next generation of financial advisors. The Spartan Journal News Team releases a newsletter every Monday morning comprised of financial literacy and the week's market updates. Feel free to follow us on social media at MSUWMA. And check out our website at msuwma.com. Heard on either the MSU WMA or Spartan Journal podcasts. 
is for educational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice.